What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and today we are talking about hot starters and early schedule impact. So this might be something that, you know, coming into the episode, you're like, I'm not really sure exactly what this means. Let's give it a go. Let's see if it's interesting. I think you'll find it interesting. I was, you know, contemplating on how this season is kind of something that's unprecedented. We've never seen a season like this before, what we're going into with you know, the whole pandemic and everything, there are, there's a very good possibility. Hopefully, you know, none of us want this to happen, but there's a good chance that the season does not make it 16 games. And so a lot of commissioners, I know myself in like eight leagues that I'm commissioning have this plan put in place where if a certain number of weeks are played and we, you know, have the season canceled, the fantasy season will still count. And so for example, all my leagues, I have it where if, eight games are played accrued through the season, then, you know, most points and highest record are the two payouts for my money leagues. And then, you know, whatever in my free leagues, the winners, the person with most points, if the, you know, year ends early, if it goes less than eight weeks, then it won't count. But for me, I usually put my, you know, my uh, cap at eight weeks. That's how long it has to get to for it to count. And that means one thing to me. And that this is kind of what birthed the idea of this podcast episode. It's that early season schedules are going to matter a lot more. Because if we only have, you know, we make it eight weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks, and we don't get all the way through the season, you have less games that you're basing your whole team's output on. So if you're drafting people that have a really rough beginning schedule and then the season ends early so they never got to get to their easy games, you're going to be screwed. That's something that you have to consider. So honestly, I think more more so this year than any year ever, you want to use that as a tiebreaker. So I'm going to basically be going over teams that I feel either have a really easy schedule that I noticed to start off like from week one to six, but usually I'm looking at like the first three weeks because we know a lot of things will change in a couple weeks. You know, people will get injured, people will get traded, whatnot, stuff like that. And um, also teams that have really hard starts, really rough defenses that they have to go against in the beginning and then also certain situations that aren't necessarily contributed or attributed sorry to the schedule like for example Alshon Jeffrey being put on pup how does that you know affect everybody else in the beginning of the season because obviously he's not gonna be on pup the whole season so we're gonna be talking about stuff like that and I wanted to start with the Bills so when you look at their schedule they have the best not the best but one of the best Week one matchups. They're playing the Jets. And as we know, Jamal Adams is now gone. And not only is Jamal Adams gone, but CJ Mosley opted out. Those are their two best defensive players. And all of a sudden, the Jets defense is looking pretty juicy to go up against in fantasy. Like it was not like a scary defense by any means, but now it just looks so, so good for pretty much matchups all across the board. So I love the entire Bills offense for week one versus the Jets, and, you know, they're going to be the guys that I look towards in DFS. 
For Daily Fantasy Week 1, I'm looking to the Bills. And there's a few other teams that I'm going to tell you guys about later on in this podcast that I'm going to be looking for Week 1 in DFS. But the Bills are one of those teams. Josh Allen is going to go crazy. I'm sure Diggs is not going to be you know insane in his very first game with Josh Allen, especially because there's no preseason for them to establish anything. So John Brown might actually be a super, super smart play in DFS because we know how consistent consistent he was last year. We know that he has boom potential and he, you know, has a whole year under his belt with Josh Allen whereas Diggs doesn't. So in week 1, maybe you know guys that have chemistry already established, it, it's worth a lot more in the beginning weeks with no preseason. So John Brown's probably also a super super good DFS play. And then you know, I wouldn't really go to the running backs because we don't know how many carries Zach Moss is going to get compared to Singletary and whatnot. So I would kind of just stay away from that situation and see how that plays out. But I love John Brown and I love Josh Allen in week one versus the Jets. Their next games, though, and this is kind of unfortunate because it's great for DFS because you only have to worry about who you're picking each team. But in season long, their next games are Miami and uh, the Rams. So not that Miami is like a super tough defense, but they're definitely not like an easy defense that you could just do whatever you want against, especially with all the key free agent additions they made this year in the offseason. And then the Rams, we know that they have a lot of good studs on that defense. So I'm not talking about the Bills having a great opening schedule for, you know, season long, but those are great for DFS week one. Then you look at the Jets. The Jets are in a really bad situation and I hate to say that because I Le'Veon Bell is one of my most drafted players so I kind of wish that I looked at this earlier not that it matters that much because I am confident despite the fact that the reason I did this podcast was because you know the season might end short I am confident that the season will go 16 games there might be some interruption that could definitely happen but if there's some type of interruption maybe the league gets put on hold for two weeks and they bring it back, but the NFL makes so much money that I'm confident they will find a way to play their 16-game season because losing games in you know, the sport that already has the least amount of games per season is really going to be rough monetarily on the sport that pulls in the most money by far in the United States. So I think they're going to find a way to make it work. So I'm not too worried about it, but when we're talking about the Jets, it sucks because, like I said, I have Le'Veon Bell everywhere. If you guys have been listening to me, you probably have Bell too. He's going to have a a rough start to the season because they play the Bills. Really good defense, possibly top five. 49ers, really good defense, definitely top five. Colts, upcoming young defense. And Broncos, a defense that could be a sneaky top five this year. So they might be facing three of the best five, or I would say at least three of the best ten defenses in the first four weeks of the season. So they're going to start off pretty slow. Don't get discouraged. I still think Le'Veon Bell is going to be an RB2 because he's still going to have his receiving work. He's still going to have, you know, the volume. But don't expect really big games from him or a really big game from Crowder or Darnold. Hopefully you're not counting on Darnold at all because I'm super low on Darnold. I'm sure you guys know that by now. Um, But yeah, so just be patient with your Jets. If you have any Jets, just be patient because they have a really rough start and it gets better after that. Then the Ravens, they also had a schedule that I noticed So obviously I'm not going over every team because a lot of teams have a pretty, you know, a relatively balanced schedule. Like they'll have two easy teams, two tough teams in the first four weeks or whatnot like that. So I'm not focusing on teams like that. I'm focusing on teams that have a weight distribution, like way too much to one side. The Ravens have an amazing schedule. First five weeks, Browns, Texans, Chiefs, 
Washington football team, and Bengals. Okay, the Browns, eh, average defense. They they have an upcoming defense. They got some young guys, but they're not there yet. Texans, not really great. Chiefs, they're okay. Washington, horrible. And Cincinnati, horrible. And look, I'm really high on the Washington D-line, but they don't have that much around them after that where I think they're going to be stopping teams you know, and they're definitely not going to be stopping the Ravens. Like, let's be real. Nobody's stopping the Ravens except for, like, you can contain them. You can't stop them. You can contain them. Um, Tennessee did very good containing them. But that was also attributed to Tennessee's huge efficiency on offense and keeping the ball out of Lamar's hands and whatnot. So the Ravens have an amazing first five weeks. Lamar is going to go insane. And anywhere you have Lamar, you're going to be happy immediately. Like, if you spent that second-round pick, if you paid up for Lamar, I don't think you're going to regret it because he's got an easy schedule to start. He's going to be running. And, you know, teams also don't have that much time to prepare for him with how this offseason was. And so it's just going to be great. And so I really like the Ravens, the beginning schedule for them. Then we go to the Chargers. The Chargers, who you guys know I have my boy in uh, out there in L.A., Tyrod Taylor, they have a really nice first three games. They play the Bengals week one, and this is another team because of that matchup. That's probably the worst defense, if not, it's at least one of the worst three, but that's probably the worst defense in the, the league right now, Cincinnati. So Tyrod is also somebody I'm firing up in DFS. We already talked about the Bills, John Brown and Josh Allen. Other guys that I'm firing up, Tyrod Taylor, Austin Eckler. I don't want to go to the receivers yet in week one for DFS because we don't know if Tyrod's going to like Keenan Allen more or Mike Williams more or Hunter Henry more. We don't know who his main target is. It's going to take a few weeks to figure that out. So I'm not trying to put my eggs in that basket of the Chargers yet. But going up against Cincinnati, I would love to trust in Tyrod Taylor and Austin Eckler. Both of them are going to be really good. I think they're going to have they have safe floors for sure. Tyrod with his rushing, Eckler with his receiving work. Obviously, we're talking about PPR here because that's pretty much all we talk about. Like, I take questions about, you know, standard and half, but when I'm, I'm just speaking generally, I'm always talking about PPR. So they have a great first game. And not only that, they also play Kansas City second. So here's the thing with Kansas City. They do have an okay defense, and it was pretty good down the stretch, but they score a lot of points. And if they score a lot of points, the Chargers are going to be forced to try and keep up. So it's, despite the fact that they have a, a decent defense, the offense... You know, the Chargers are going to have to score a lot to keep up. So it's going to kind of counteract the fact that they have really good defense. Because when you have good defenses behind teams that have like strong, heavy run games and keep the ball out of your hands and whatnot, then it's really hard to score fantasy points against teams like that. And one of those teams is the Niners. And the Ravens are a team like that as well. But when you have a team like the Chiefs, a good defense, obviously not to the level of the Niners or the Ravens, but they still had a good defense. But they score quick and they get the ball out quick and they're, you know, Boom, down the field, touchdown, and now you're back on the field. It gives you plenty of opportunity to score fantasy points. So they start Cincinnati, then Kansas City, and then Carolina. Carolina, I think, has some good young pieces. They're actually building a nice D-line, too, kind of like Washington is. But, you know, they have a lot of young players there. It's not done yet. And their secondary is not great. They also lost Luke Keekley. Thomas Davis isn't there. I know he wasn't there last year either, but, you know, they're just a different defense. So I'm not worried about them at all. I really like the first three games for the Chargers. So if you've been drafting Tyrod, trust me, you're going to like it. It's going to work out for you. Then we have the Broncos. The Broncos are already a team that I am kind of against consensus about. I'm much higher on the running backs than consensus in 
Denver, and I'm lower in the rec- on the receivers in Denver than, you know, most experts and whatnot, um, or analysts, whatever term you want to use, doesn't really matter to me. The thing is, is they have a really good defense. Like I said, I think they have, they're like a sleeper to be a top five defense, and they have three really good running backs. So why are they not going to be able to just control the clock? Like last year, they only threw the ball 500 times. Drew Locke, once he became a starter, was on pace for 498 pass attempts. So if that's the case, and now they added a running back, they also added a defensive tackle. They also added a corner, A.J. Boye. And man, this is really going to bother me that I can't remember this right now. The defensive tackle from Tennessee, his name is completely slipping my mind, but he's really good too. And so they have two new defenders that are, are pretty good there. And they added Melvin Gordon, obviously. So the fact that they are not going to pass a lot already has me lower on the receivers. And then take this into account. They play Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, their first three games. Those are all pretty tough matchups. Tennessee is not only tough because they have a savvy defense and they play rough and they wear you down, but they also do the same thing on offense with Derrick Henry and they keep the ball out of your hands. So their defense is always fresh and ready to go. You don't, you can't wear down that defense because you don't have the ball enough to do so. So that's a really tough game for, you know, any of the receivers to get going, for Drew Locke to get going. Then Pittsburgh, obviously, great defense last year. Their defense is only going to be better this year because all of the guys that were really good for them last year were young. They're just getting better. So they're going to have a really good defense this year as well. And that's going to be a tough matchup. And Tampa Bay was way better than you think. Trust me, like if you're one of those guys that knows how good Tampa defense was in the back half of the season, then props to you because for some reason that's still something people don't really know about. And Tampa was really good down the stretch and it was because it was on the backs of all their young guys and Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett, you have on the edge, you have Jason Pierre-Paul on the edge, you have Ndamukong Sue and Vita Vea, both defensive tackles in the middle or nose tackle because we usually run 3-4. Um, and then you have great linebackers in Levante David, Devin White, Shaq Barrett. So the thing is, is we had the number, I say we because you guys know I'm a Bucks fan. We had the number one, I believe, ranked rush defense last year over the whole season, not just the back half of the year. And then towards the back half of the year, we were getting more turnovers. We were better in pass defense and coverage. I know we had a bit of an easier schedule, but you could tell that the players were playing completely differently. Jamel Dean came along. He's He's a rookie corner from last year. Sean Murphy Bunting, another rookie corner from last year. Both of them were among the the leaders or were the two leaders in terms of passes defensed at the corner position among rookies. And Sean Murphy Bunting led the league in uh, cornerback interceptions among rookies. Devin White had one or two defensive touchdowns. You know, we have a lot of young playmakers. They're all getting better. And we have Todd Bowles coaching that defense. So that's really rough start for the Broncos. And I think if you're drafting Cortland Sutton, you're drafting Jerry Judy, you're going to be frustrated. You really, I really believe that you are going to be frustrated, especially guys that are counting on Drew Locke. Like the, the, the receivers might be able to contribute a little bit. I think Jerry Judy's going to have an easier time because he's going to see number two corners than Cortland Sutton. Not that I'm saying Jerry Judy's going to be better. I'm just saying it's going to be easier for him. But Drew Locke is going to have a tough time because he's not really a guy who runs the ball and he just sits in the pocket. So, you know, nothing against him. Not that there's anything wrong with that in real life in the NFL. But for fantasy, we know you want rushing yards. You want rushing upside, rushing potential for touchdowns as well. So the Broncos, I'm kind of just steering clear from, for, uh, sorry, steering clear from them if I can in DFS. And I, I'll use that as a tiebreaker. Like if I'm trying to decide between, you know, Cortland Sutton and Devontae Parker, 
I'm going to take Devontae Parker because his beginning schedule is not nearly as rough as Cortland Sutton's, and they're probably getting the same amount of like targets and whatnot like that. Then we have the Raiders. They also have a really rough starting schedule after week one. Week one, they play Carolina. Like we already talked about them, you know, they have a, a young nucleus, but they're not really there yet. So they're not a defense that scares me whatsoever. But after Carolina, they have New Orleans, New England, and Buffalo. That's rough. And the guys that are counting on Brian Edwards or Henry Ruggs or pretty much anybody in that offense except one person, which we'll get to in a second, I think you're going to be disappointed. So who is that one person? I don't think it's going to be pretty for anyone except for him. And that man is Darren Waller. Why? The strength of those defenses, New Orleans, New England, and Buffalo, is not linebackers, especially linebackers in coverage. The strength of those defenses are their corners and their D-line. Buffalo, D-line, Tredavious White. New Orleans, Marshawn Lattimore, Cameron Jordan on the D-line. Uh, the Patriots, secondary. Stephon Gilmore, their safeties, McCourty, you know, they, they have a good secondary. They also lost Dante Hightower, the Patriots did. So that's a linebacker that, that hurts them by losing him. He's not going to be able to cover Waller. Buffalo, I mean, I know that they have Tremaine Edmonds, but he's not like that great in coverage. I don't think he can hang with Darren Waller. Darren Waller is going to be like the easiest guy there for Carr. And not only is he going to be the, the easiest guy, the guy who's open the most just based on the defenses that they're going to be playing between New Orleans, New England, and Buffalo, but Waller's also going to be the mainstay in that offense from last year. If you have Ruggs starting in the slot, like they're saying he's competing for, and that bumps out Renfro, and then you have Edwards on the outside, which they're saying he's competing for. So then you have you know, the other person would be Tyrell Williams. So the only people there on in the starting lineup on the offense from last year is Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams. Obviously, Darren Waller was his favorite target last year. And if you have new guys and you're playing tough defenses, guess where he's going to go? The guy he knows and trusts, not some newbies. So Darren Waller is going to be really good DFS plays. And I think he's going to start out pretty hot in uh, the NFL. Or sorry, well, yeah, in the NFL for fantasy. Then we have the Colts. The Colts have a great schedule. First three games, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Jets. Jacksonville, last year we would have been like, oh, that's not a good matchup. Well, they lost a whole bunch of people. Minnesota, last year, that's not a great matchup. Well, they lost a whole bunch of people. Jets, okay matchup. Oh, wait, they just lost a whole bunch of people. So all three of those defenses are going to be struggling. And the Colts are probably just going to run all over them, honestly. Like Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor are probably both going to be starter-worthy for the first three weeks of the season, even though we don't know how the carry counts are going to go. And if Jonathan Taylor, you know, gets hot and he becomes that hot hand for them, he's going to be great. And I think that that could definitely happen because they should be ahead easily in those games. They should be ahead early and be, should be able to just pound the rock. And if they're doing it, you know, in the beginning of the game, because they can just run all over them, there's going to be a lot of carries to go around for Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. So Taylor's going to get his opportunities. And if he shows to be significantly better than Mack, he might take over the job way sooner than we are initially thinking that he might. So I like that a lot. I think Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack are going to be good plays as well for the Colts. And if you're going zero uh, running back, which you guys know I hate, please don't do that to yourself. It's super unnecessary. But if you decide to do that, then Marlon Mack is probably going to be somebody you could start the first three weeks and be okay with. Then we have the Bears. They also have an okay starting schedule. They play Detroit, they play the Giants, and then they play the Falcons. The thing is, I don't have too much other, 
like too much more to say other than that because we don't know who the quarterback is yet and I mean Allen Robinson's going to be good regardless like there's not really guys that I'm I'm just like looking to play like maybe Tariq Cohen would be really good in that Atlanta game because you know he's fast he's a good matchup versus that team because they're really fast so he's going to be one of the guys that might be able to help them get some type of yardage and stuff make some of those guys miss and also they're going to be playing catch up a lot because Atlanta's going to put up points on them pretty quickly um so that's really all I have to say about the Bears then you have the Eagles the Eagles have a super juicy first three games they have Washington like we said we already talked about them that's a pretty good matchup Rams and then Cincinnati the Eagles have a offense that I think matches up well with the Rams so I'm not too worried about the Rams star players taking you know taking over that game on defense I think that their offensive line, the Eagles, is going to be able to contain Aaron Donald pretty well. So I'm not too worried about that game. And also, the Rams have a good offense, so they're going to be putting up points. The Eagles are going to be forced to put up points as well. So I really like the Eagles starting um, you know, starting season schedule. They also have a next three that is super scary. So juicy first three, but really, really scary next three. Those next three are San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. Yikes yikes so what's my takeaway for this one is you're probably going to be able to sell high on some eagles after week three after djax burns washington for 100 yards and two touchdowns like he did in week one the only week he played last year and then you know puts up another 80 yards and a touchdown on the rams and another 80 yards and a touchdown on the Bengals. you could probably sell high on him because you know he's going against san fran pittsburgh and baltimore next and also Alshon will be coming off pup after week six. So then his target count is going to go down. So Djax will probably be a really good sell high pretty early on in the season. Same with Ertz. Ertz is the only guy there in the starting lineup, if you're not counting Dallas Goddard. He's going to be the only guy there that Wentz has very established chemistry with. Just like I was talking about Waller with Carr. It's the same thing with Ertz and Wentz because Rager's probably going to be starting. Deshaun Jackson's definitely going to be starting. He played one week with Deshaun Jackson. He's played no weeks with Jalen Rager. And then Zach Ertz is your mainstay, the guy that he's been playing with forever that he already trusts. So Ertz is going to start out hot for that reason and because it's a really good schedule, really good matchups in the beginning. So I think Ertz is going to be good sell high after week three or even if you want to keep him till Alshon gets back and, you know, just keep him through those three tough weeks because tight ends are usually one of the positions that can still produce in a tough matchup um, and then sell high, go for it. They're also the best week one streaming defense because they're playing Washington. Whether Alex Smith is like back for his first game ever and like it seems like such a long time, which by the way, congrats to you, bro. The recovery that man has made is nothing short of a miracle. Like I'm just so happy to see the point that Alex Smith has gotten to from like his leg not even looking like a human leg to him being able to walk now. So I hope I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for the comeback. I hope he's be able to come back. But if he does, it's his first game back in how long? So I think, and they don't have that many weapons and he probably has no chemistry with any of those guys because he's been hurt and hasn't been able to practice with them. And everyone in that offense is new or young and just been recently added to that offense. So I think that's a perfect matchup. Also, the Eagles are always there as like my last pick in drafts if I want to take the defense. 
Um, Because sometimes I won't take a defense at all. I'll just double up, uh, like I'll get another running back or receiver and drop somebody right before a game start and pick up a defense to stream. But if I feel like taking one, because I, you know, have a million leagues and sometimes I might forget something in like a free league to do that. So I'll just pick up the the Eagles defense in the last round. You can do that because they're always there. Then we have the Giants. The New York Giants have a super tough starting schedule. Pittsburgh, Jet. Hold on. <laughs> I I put Pittsburgh, New York, New York Giants, and San Fran, but we're talking about the Giants. I'm pretty sure I meant the Jets. Um, so they have Pittsburgh and San Fran as two of their first three teams. That's pretty rough. And I'm not going to be drafting Daniel Jones because of it. Because right now he's my quarterback 13. But he's one of those guys that you're just taking as like a back-end quarterback that you're probably going to be streaming with. If you're taking a quarterback that you're going to be streaming with, they have to have a streamable defense in the beginning of the season. Do I think Daniel Jones is going to be serviceable and be, you know, a back-end QB1 or a top-end QB2? Yeah, but not in the beginning of the season, so don't draft him. And if you're in super flex leagues, that's different. Two quarterback leagues, that's different. If you're in a one-quarterback standard league, don't draft Daniel Jones because you're not going to end up using him and you drafted a streaming quarterback that you're not going to be able to stream. So it's a waste of a pick. Don't do it. Then Saquon, be patient with him. Just like Le'Veon Bell, Saquon might start slow. And really, it's not a good sign for any of the Giants because we don't even know how to project how the targets are going to get passed around between Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and Saquon Barkley. All five of those guys, we have no idea how the targets are going to go out. So that alone makes me want to stay away from them in both DFS and season long, except for Barkley and Evan Ingram if I can get them at a good price. Um, Because, you know, I want to see how their target distribution looks first before I'm like investing in anyone there. But not only that, they also have a tough schedule in the beginning of the season. So try and, you know, look other ways if you want in drafts. Like, I, I've been looking the other way. Every time Golden Tate's on the board, I'm looking to Jamison Crowder instead. Um, if, you know, Sterling Shepard's on the board, I'm looking to, like, Preston Williams instead. I'm just trying to think of guys that are, like, next to them in ADP off the top of my head. When um, Darius Slayton's on the board, I'm looking more to a, a Michael Pittman. You know, guys like that. So try and stay away from your, from your Giants. Sorry. Then we have the Cardinals. After week one versus San Francisco, it gets pretty good. So you, you're going to have to endure that first week. And I have Kyler in a lot of places. So trust me when I say, like, I'm with you guys that have Cardinals. It's going to be a tough first week. It sucks. But you know what the next four games are? Washington, Detroit that just lost Darius Slay, Carolina, and the Jets that obviously we talked about who they lost already. So the next four games after week one are really good. So fire up your Kyler Murray and fire up your Kenyon Drake. Also, DeAndre Hopkins could start quick because after the 49ers, which by the way, the 49ers do not have a corner that can cover DeAndre Hopkins because I'm sorry, like I love Sherman, but Sherman is not going to hang with Hopkins, bro. So He's probably going to start quick, especially because Washington, Detroit, Carolina, Jets, none of those teams have a corner that can stay with Hopkins, not even close. So he might actually be good a lot faster than we're expecting, despite the fact that he hasn't played with Kyler yet. Then you look at the 49ers. Great starting schedule. Great. Like they're already a, a really good team. And then they've just been gifted this schedule of Arizona, Jets, Giants. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The guys that were just in the Super Bowl, you're giving one of the easiest, if not the easiest first three weeks of the season that I've seen. Arizona, their defense is not anything. The Jets just lost a bunch of people, but their defense from the beginning was not much. And then the Giants, one of the worst defenses in the league. Wow. 
you know what that means? That means it might be, I might have to hop on the Moster train. Like I've liked Moster, but I've kind of been that middle ground between people, like the people that have them at like RB15 or 16, and then the people that have them at 30. I have them at like 23. So I like him, but I might have to, you know, consider taking him a little bit more in the couple drafts that I have left because that starting schedule is great and he might just explode all over those teams. And if he does do that, if he goes off, then it's going to set the stage for the rest of the season for him to get a good amount of carries and be the clear starter. So Mostert's looking pretty good after I look at the schedule for the 49ers. Then we have our situation, guys. So we talked about the schedules, the teams that people are playing against, how that affects them negatively or positively. Now we have to look at the situations. I already talked about Ertz. Alshon is going to be on Pup. So that's at least minimum six weeks that Alshon is gone. And then with DJX and Rager basically being new to Carson Wentz, Ertz is going to be the mainstay. He's going to get peppered with so many targets in the beginning of the season. So Ertz is going to be really good to start. Then we have Parker, Devontae Parker, and Matt Breda. I think they're going to have really good starts no matter who they're playing against because Alan Hearns opted out and Albert Wilson opted out, the wide receiver three and the wide receiver four on the Miami Dolphins. Why did I not mention that Preston Williams is going to be better? Just because he's still dealing with injury. We, injury, we don't know where he's on, what he's on pace for right now, if he's going to come back healthy 100% week one, or if he's going to kind of just need another week or two. We're not really sure. But if we're given the go-ahead on Preston Williams and he's full go for week one, then he's going to benefit a lot too. So Parker and Breda are going to get mad targets, especially Devontae Parker, because guess what? Matt Breda new to the team. Jordan Howard, new to the team. Um, if Preston Williams isn't out there and it's just Devontae Parker, then the other receivers out there are pretty new. Isaiah Ford, Gary Jennings, those guys are going to be pretty new to the team too. Um, whether it's because they've been on the team but haven't really gotten much starting snaps or because they're actually new to the team, like Gary Jennings, he came from Seattle. So those are two guys I really like as well. With that said, that wraps up my schedule analysis and my situational analysis. So then I wanted to do a fun activity. You guys can basically log off right now if you want, because the rest of this is going to be more NFL talk than fantasy talk. But I was wondering as I looked at, because I'm a huge like draft geek guy, like I'm already looking into prospects and stuff for, you know, April's draft, which is what, six months from now, like after the season and everything. So I'm already like super like excited for the next draft and I'm looking at mock drafts and stuff which by the way if you guys are like me and you just can't wait for like draft and off season and like prospects and all that stuff the best place to go it's really new but I love them and I love their podcast too with Trevor and Ben the draft network locked on NFL draft podcast network is great and their website the draft network TDN is really good they have I, I mean they have some of the best analysis I've ever seen. They have so many people giving, like, you know, coming together collectively and building rankings and giving you mock drafts. And they're, it's just awesome. So check that out. And so, what am I going to talk about the rest of the time that's NFL? It's about, you know, what teams do I think are going to be the worst this season? Because when I look at mock drafts, every single mock draft I see, every single one has Jacksonville picking first overall. So I was like, man. What are the chances? Because I kind of feel like Jacksonville's not the worst team in the league. Like, I feel like there are teams worse than Jacksonville. So I was like, all right, let me compile the teams that I know are the worst, like among the worst in the league, go through their schedule and see what I think their schedule is going to be. So that's what I did. So I predicted the worst team records and I predicted five teams. 
five teams that are always looked at as the worst teams this year in mock drafts and predictions and everything. I started with Washington. I predicted Washington to go and granted, don't take this as like me saying, oh, there's no way they're going to do better than this because no matter how bad a team is, it's the NFL. It's one game. So sometimes bad teams beat teams that they should not beat. And sometimes they get, you know, wins that they shouldn't get. So obviously these teams are like, I have them all projected really bad. And I went game by game and I was like, are they going to beat this person? No. Are they going to beat this person? No. So I feel good about each individual game. But then when you look at it as a whole season and you see the record, it's like, okay, obviously all these guys are not going to be this bad. But starting with Washington, I have them at two and 14. I have them beating Cincinnati and I have them beating the new, the New York Giants. That's it. So I have them at two and 14. Then I went to Cincinnati. I have them at three and 13. I have them beating Miami, the Giants and Jacksonville. Then I went to the Jets. I have the Jets. And so this is crazy because, you know, what were they last year? Seven and nine, I think. Pretty sure they were seven and nine um, or like six and 10. I have them at two and 14 this year. I have them beating Miami and I have them beating Oakland. They might not even beat Miami. Miami might beat them both times. I have them splitting with Miami and then I have them beating Oakland. So that that puts them at two and 14. I think losing Jamal Adams, CJ Mosley really is going to hurt them. Then Miami... I go to them, 2-14 and 14 as well. I have them beating the Jets, like I said. They split, and then I have them pulling a game off against New England. Miami seems to always do that every year. They pull off one game versus New England somehow, so I have them doing it again. Then Jacksonville, I also have at 2-14, and 14, so I was like, oh, man. So maybe they will have the first overall pick. I have them beating Indy, so splitting with Indy and splitting with Houston. So two of their division rivals I think they're going to split with. I think they'll lose both to Tennessee. But honestly, any of these teams could finish like 4-12, and 5-11. and 11. I would say the, the like the best record, I think, out of any of these teams, like the, the team that has the best chance to have the best record. Oh, man. Actually, do I even want to say that? Because like, honestly, they all have similar potential. Like Cincy could have a super good offense. Like if Burrow just starts clicking, they could have a super good offense and be like maybe 6-10 and 10 at the most. Washington, if that young defensive line comes on quick and maybe Alex Smith starts and after the first few games he's back to himself and he's way better than Haskins was last year, they could be like 6-10 and with that D-line. The Jets, uh, I don't know. Somehow Adam Gase, we hate him for fantasy. He's frustrating, but somehow he's able to like get teams that aren't that good to get wins. I mean, he did bring the Dolphins to the playoffs like when they were in a huge playoff drought. And then you have Miami. I really like what they're doing. I don't think that they're a worse team than last year. I know I have them projected at 2-14, and 14, and they were better than that last year, but I think they're going to be a better team. It's just hard for me to say, like, when I'm looking at the schedule. Miami versus Tampa Bay. I, I don't even know if they play Tampa Bay, honestly. This is just, off, like, an example. Miami versus Tampa Bay? No, they're not going to beat them. Miami versus the Chargers? No, the Chargers defense is really good, and they have so many weapons around Tyrod on offense. They're not going to beat them either. Are they going to beat the Broncos? No, the Broncos defense is really good. There's way too many pieces on the offense for the Broncos. Like every team I looked at, I was like, yeah, I don't think they're going to win this one. Maybe the next one. And every time I went to the next one, same same process. So that's why I have all these teams really bad. I have Washington 2-14, and 14, Jets 2-14, and 14, Dolphins 2-14, and 14, Jacksonville 2-14, and 14, Bengals 3-13. and 13. So any of these teams might have the number one overall pick. And the whole point of this exercise was not only because I didn't really think that it was a foregone conclusion as much as everyone else seems to think that, you know, Minshew and his Jaguars are going to have the worst team in the NFL in the first overall pick, but also because I wanted to see 
who is going to draft Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Mainly Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Like I think at this point in time, there's like almost one of the safest bets in college football right now is that those guys when they come into the draft are going to be one and two, like picked number one and two. Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. Justin Fields is going to go number two. So who are going to be the the teams doing like, you know, picking them? If Cincinnati ends up with one of the worst records, I think the best thing they can do if they're at one or two, trade back, let one of, you know, the teams that need a quarterback come up for either of these two really highly touted quarterbacks, especially if you have the number one overall pick because Trevor is probably the best quarterback to come out from college since Andrew Luck. I'm sure teams will give away like three first rounders for him minimum. So like if you end up with the number one pick and you just drafted Joe Burrow and you feel confident in Joe Burrow, which I think you will feel confident in him, I think he's going to be very good in the NFL, then you can really help your team actually by, you know, just trading back, getting all these picks to rebuild and you can have a quick, quick turnaround. Same thing with Miami. If Miami feels comfortable with Tua and they finish with the worst record or the second worst record, trade out, let somebody draft Fields or Lawrence and recoup a bunch of picks, rebuild that team quickly. The Jets though, and Washington and Jacksonville, those three out of the five that are probably going to be, you know, top five worst teams. All of those teams are drafting a quarterback, I believe, if they're first or second. Even if Haskins is good. If Haskins wins the job and is good, but he's not great, like if if he's at, at like quarterback between 15 and 20 in the NFL and they were still that bad and they have a pick right there, I think they're going to they're going to replace him and maybe they'll just ship him ship him off like uh the Cardinals did when the Cardinals drafted Rosen and then we're like, "Ah, yeah, he doesn't look that great and we have the opportunity to get Kyler right now." And so they shipped off Rosen. I think that the Washington Redskins might do the same thing, especially because Ron Rivera, he didn't draft Dwayne Haskins. He has no connection to Dwayne Haskins. So, that would be super interesting. And then you have Jacksonville, obviously, and then the Jets. I think the same thing could be said for Sam Darnold. Look, I'm not comparing him to Dwayne Haskins at all. I know he's way better than Haskins. We've seen him do much more than Haskins, and he's not had, like, the best situation. You know, it's been pretty rough out there in New York. But, you know, if they have an opportunity to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, like, those guys are way ahead of Sam Darnold, in my opinion. And they're also younger and just coming in. And they also, like, both have better rushing ability than Sam Darnold, which is also another added game or facet to your game that's very important nowadays. So, like, we see that with most of the the quarterbacks coming in now. You want that rushing ability. So that's something I just thought was super interesting. And the last thing I wanted to say about that was if the Bengals or the Dolphins do get that high pick and they trade back, who would trade up? And for me, if you're trading up to get a quarterback, first off, that means you have a pretty decent team because if you're trading up for a quarterback, that means you probably have a bad quarterback. Maybe you have a good vet, but it's more likely that you have a bad quarterback, yet you are still a good team because you're not in the top five to be able to draft a quarterback. So you had a good team, but a bad quarterback. That means you're in like win now mode and you're just trying to fill that position of need. So what's a team that might be in that situation? To me, there's, well, I don't know. Is there two? I know one really sticks out to me and that's in Indianapolis. I'm not a big guy in in terms of Rivers. Like I don't believe in Rivers anymore. I don't think he's really going to help them that much more than uh, what Brissett was able to do last year because especially... Like, Brissett didn't have Michael Pittman. Brissett had, like, an injured T.Y. Their offensive line is going to be better this year just from further development with all their young guys. And Brissett didn't have a Jonathan Taylor. Like, 
The situation that Philip Rivers is inheriting is much better than Brissett's situation. So if Brissett was in the same situation, like if they both played this year, I think Brissett would be just as good as Rivers. Rivers would be a little bit more for a little bit better for fantasy because he'll take more chances, but he's also going to turn the ball over more. So he's not going to be as good for the Colts themselves. So I think it's very possible that the Colts, you know, they have a a great O-line. They have Pittman, Taylor, Hilton. So maybe, you know, Hilton can stay good for another two, three years, hopefully, and stay healthy. And Pittman can develop, Jonathan Taylor can develop. And then they have, you know, some good key young defensive pieces, mainly Darius Leonard on their defense. And they just traded for DeForest Buckner. So if they drafted Trevor Lawrence, you know, if they traded up, I think that they're definitely a team who could do so because they're in a position where they have a young team. They have a lot of cap space. They could easily see the opportunity with Miami or Cincy at the one or two spot. Be like, you know what? Let's sign, like, let's use our cap space, sign the free agents that we need, either for offensive weapons or for defensive studs to make us like contenders right now and go draft Trevor Lawrence. And either this year or like within the next three years, we're getting super deep in the playoffs. And I think that would be sick because like that would become, that could become a dynasty. Like I really like the ma- the management there and the coaching there in Indy. And if you added Trevor Lawrence, that'd be sick. Another place I think might be able to do something like that would be New Orleans. But that means that they would have to give up on the Jameis experiment that they didn't even really start yet. Um, and honestly, I kind of want, I kind of want to see as a Bucks fan, I want to see the Bucks play Jameis. <laughs> so I hope they don't give up on that experiment. I want to see that come to fruition. But with that said, that was pretty much it. You know, I, I know this is a fantasy football podcast, but if you listen to this point, I did, you know, let you know that we're going to shift our discussion more to NFL. You know, I love fantasy as much as anybody, if you know, more than most people, obviously, Um, but I also love just talking football. So, you know, I didn't think it would be a bad idea to go ahead and throw some of that in here because sometimes I wish I just had somebody next to me that I could talk football with all day, you know, and I don't that often. So I get to do the discussion, you know, to myself on the podcast, but I know people are hearing me and, um, so that's cool, but that's basically all we got for today. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Thanks for listening to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. If you enjoy the podcast, please reach out to a friend. You know, I'd really appreciate it. And leave a rating review if you haven't. You guys know, same, same old, same old, right? Check out the website. Check out the free draft sheets if you haven't yet. It's free. It literally is so easy for you to check it out. It doesn't cost you anything. It'll be worth your time, trust me. Thanks for all your support. Have a good one, guys. Go kill it in your drafts. I hope we're all ready for this fantasy football season. I know I am. And um, good luck to your, not only your fantasy teams, but your NFL team, except for when they're playing live bucks. Then I hope your NFL team gets destroyed. With that said, this is Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Peace.